You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, what you got there on a fork, Mickey? That looks like something I'm not sure I'd want to eat. <laughs> this is the last piece of chicken left in North America, Bob. Oh, oh because I'm... Biden is going to ban meat eating? Because we elected Biden and now we have to wait in line for chicken. We have a chicken shortage. Next, there'll be a potato shortage. It's like the Soviet Union around here. Is there an what actual chicken say? shortage that's being wrongly is, attributed to Biden or is it being rightly attributed? There's a chicken shortage. Nobody's attributing it to Biden except but, me. But there are false <laughs> claims that he wants to ban the eating of beef or something, right? That was floating around earlier. Right. That would explain the run on chicken. Right. People are trying to get used to the ch- Get used to the chicken while they can. It would explain that if if they weren't baseless claims that he's uh, banning meat. But what did you I, what did you think? Of, yeah, I did, not, I did not make the baseless claims about beef. I well, made the ba- I made the baseless claim about Kamala Harris's uh, book being distributed and packed to all immigrants. Well, but the night anyway. is young. You, you've got time to make any number of baseless claims. What did you think of uh, Biden's uh, hundred days speech? Well, I thought it was. I mean, I thought the tone and the delivery was fine. It's a pedestrian speech, but my, as you know, my great fear was that Biden would try the soaring rhetoric of Robert F. Kennedy, and it would fall flat. Mm-hmm. And I think he's found a, a a style that works for him. It's very unpretentious and doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't. Uh, claim to do more than it, you know, doesn't try to do more than he can do. Uh, I, I, the reactions to the speech are what, uh, what drive are driving me crazy. Can I read from some of them? I've actually done some homework. Uh, by all means, uh, John Harris of Politico says it was a breathtakingly large agenda. Well, uh, it is, well, wait, in terms of sheer money, we're talking, you know, it's but, huge. But, but, it's huge. Well, it's, breath, me, okay. it's breathtaking. I can barely a breathe. Stunningly sweeping spending. Peter well, Baker says he positioned himself as a transformational president, not just spending, Bob, a transformational president, a fundamental reorientation of the role of government not seen since the days of Lyndon B. Johnson's Great Society and Roosevelt's New Deal. Well, Mickey, um, we finally have a left-right convergence because everyone on the right is describing it as radical. They're both saying the same thing, right? This is huge. It's big. It's radical. They're, they're it's both transformative. Wrong. They're both wrong. It's you know, uh, Roosevelt did Social Security, the WPA, welfare, the National Labor Relations Board. Uh, Johnson did Medicare, uh, and uh, and uh, Obama did Obamacare. There's nothing in this that's as big as any of those. It is basically pissing away trillions of dollars on all the usual uh, second-tier uh, Democratic priorities. Uh, and it's not transformational. It's not going to be transformational if we have one more year of kindergarten. It would be transformational if we had Medicare for all. That would be transformational. It's well, not are, transformational. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I agree that it won't be transformational, will you calm down? Well, I'm willing to do almost anything. I'll say it is transformational. I'll say it isn't. Just tell me. Well, people like passion. What are you talking about? Yeah, I like some people's passion. What about Tucker Carlson? He's been acting really crazy. People seem to like that. Hey, I was going to bring that up. Uh, I will, since you are, since you have in the past spoken favorably of him as a presidential candidate. Well, sometimes he seems like he's on drugs. Aside from that, he'd be a great president. Well, he just seems that way. I don't think he actually is on drugs. I actually want to play that. I've got, I've got, I've got the rant. I've got his his craziest rant to date, possibly. I'm just uh, talking about. I'm just talking about when he reacted to JD Vance's completely anodyne and pleasant statement, uh, with it with like some bizarre overreaction. The oh, dumb- I've got a totally different crazy Tucker rant. So anyway, good. let's get back to let's, let's get, get back, back to. So wait a second. Back to Biden. Now look. Yeah, I. I was disappointed. I mean, first of all, when people on the right say this is radical, I'm thinking like, um, no, you, I mean, universal health care, if you wanted to call that, I, maybe I'd let you buy with that. But I think when you, when you say radical from the right, you're supposed to mean socialist. And this isn't socialist. You don't even get universal health care. So I kind of agree with you. But that said, there's a lot of stuff that some of which, you know, and it kind of adds up, right? And he's also pissing away all the money. That we would use for universal health care. Keep that in mind. When we want, we want, when we want Medicare for all, 
we want to expand Medicare, the money may not be there because Biden has pissed it away on, uh, you know, pre-K for everybody or something. Okay, but wait a second. Well, let's let's talk about the. Well, no, let's. I want to get back to pre-K for everybody. So I think this is good stuff. But on health care, so. You know, he had promised, I think, in his campaign to drop the Medicare age to at least 60 or something, right? 60, 60, yeah. Okay, he's not doing that. He's not giving us the public option, which I gather would be politically difficult for reasons that may maybe he can't help. But there is a big tax credit for the Affordable Care Act, right? Won't this make uh, health he's insurance shoring, more affordable? I think he's shoring up the flaws of Obamacare. I mean, the basic flaw of Obamacare was that the insurance pool for the the people using the the uh you know the special obamacare markets sucked and so the the uh the premiums were very expensive and the deductibles were high and he's you know with enough money you can cure that so he's spending the money well then that's, that's a good make thing it, i mean enough tax that's a good credits. thing but that's a that's like a patch on the stratified obamacare medicaid medicare uh private insurance system which we have which is fine maybe that's right but it's not a radical transformation it's a patch on the existing system but it makes uh, health care cheaper for a lot of people. Uh, which there's is, not that many people in the market exchanges. There may so be no. more now that it's more attractive. Yeah, it's possible. The um, the it it's um, I have a gratuitous automotive analogy. Oh, I'm always in favor of this. Um, it's like the it's like the when General Motors acquired Saab, they they built a Chevy Malibu around around a Saab, and it was like they were, it had no distinct no, that you know they were asked at the final meeting where they approved it. Uh, you know, what's the distinguishing selling characteristic of this new Chevy Malibu? And the guy who designed it couldn't come up with anything and said, it's the whole value package, okay? Because there was no distinguishing characteristic of the Chevy Malibu. And that's like the Biden budget. There's nothing, there's no one thing you can point to is that Biden did this, okay? It's just a, it's a Yeah, it's, but it's I mean, that, that's like, is that always what you want? I mean, it is possible. Well, it's, a lot what of little things tri- add- it's what I, I want mean, for look, six trillion dollars. Here's a, here's. A, I mean, yes. first of first of all, well, there's a lot of stuff. First of all, are you in favor of making uh, community college free? I am. I think that's good. I think it's important. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. The community the community college lobby is always strong. I don't think it's going to transform. Well, no, America, but it isn't but just it's that. It's like. Uh, you know, that's something that I would think some deplorables will like and, and, and might be good for them. Yeah, I mean, no. community colleges he, he, are very vocational ed okay, oriented. Okay, that's good. That's, that's not $6 trillion. That's, that's okay, but I mean, billion. now you're, now, okay, so let's get back to the, uh, the pre-K or the preschool care. Now, now this brings us back to, to JD Vance. He tweeted, quote, universal childcare is a, is a massive subsidy to the lifestyle preferences of the affluent over the preferences of the middle and working class. I take that to mean, you know, uh, let's get back to an America where moms stay at home and take care. I don't know. But but and, and it is it, it sounds fine as a conservative talking point. But in the real world, aren't there a lot of Trump voters who actually uh, have both parents working and would welcome this? It's possible. I You know, the um, uh, the, the J.D. Vance thing is a, is a particular problem for me because uh and the likes of me, because the one the one really radical thing in in the Biden plan that I uh, well, there are a couple of things, but there's the pro act for unions, which is, probably isn't going to make it. But um, the, uh, the, uh, the this child tax credit that's refundable that I claim would recreate welfare by sending, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seven thousand dollars a year to families to do no work at all. OK, Sing, including single parent families do no work at all. Uh, that's the same tax credit that J.D. Vance is championing. Now, most of it goes to families that do work, but the Democrats have tacked on this 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 uh, change that sent it to families who don't work. And so my great fear is that J.D. Vance will endorse the recreation of welfare. Uh, so far, he hasn't done it. So far, he's just stuck with, he says he prefer, you know, Matt Iglesias actually asked him this question on Twitter. Uh, yeah, for some reason, Matt Iglesias gets results. Uh, I think I know and, why. Uh, he has well, half his, a million Twitter followers. His his productivity has been slacking off, Bob. Um, has it? In his newsletter? We should reprimand yeah, him. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Sure. I, the, uh, anyway, the um, uh, and Vance said, the details matter. I have an open mind. That's troubling. But 
But I prefer the Hawley plan, and the Hawley plan not only would not give it to working, non-working families, but also gives you gives it per parent. So uh, I think I think it even discriminates in favor of married parents. So married parents mm-hmm. get twice as much as single parents. So the Hawley plan is a relatively conservative version. But which way J.D. Vance will jump on this, I think, is one of the uh, important questions of the moment. Well, uh, I would think... Now, my take was that it was uh, not very identity politics friendly. Didn't you think he kind of minimized that? I mean, there is, I mean, as long as we're talking about community college, there is also the uh, aid for students at colleges that historically serve non-white communities. I personally would rather they write that up, you know, uh, the policy be like aid for colleges with low-income constituencies, winds up helping uh, 80% of the colleges in in the category that that they have defined is that and true? also and also I would guess I mean I, I this is totally total bullshit of course I coming, mean, some, as some usual of the, but, some of the historically black colleges have uh, non-black enrollments now well I, but, this, but this is this is I don't I don't think this is historically black colleges per se it says aid for students oh, at colleges okay. that historically yeah. serve non-white communities yeah, okay and I mean, look, uh, uh, if some of those are affluent, then then I don't they don't desperately need help anyway. I, I would, well, I, you know, as you know, I, I'd rather. Th- but this is this is a uh, every president has been for this. And, and it's, you should grant. Yeah, I suppose, it, Bob, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't make that the, the big exa- example. No, of and in general, neutral. in general, I thought uh, that uh, the speech almost reflected that they've taken stock of the 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 identity politics blowback. I mean, the blowback against identity politics. I mean, there was. I there, think there was only one reference to systemic racism. It was a gratuitous reference to white supremacy. I don't think there was any reference to systemic racism. There was one. There was one, but uh, it was prefaced immediately by this. Oh, the no, vast, there was a, he said that it was it was prefaced by a commendation of police officers said the vast majority of men and women wearing a badge serve honorably. I know they want to help meet this moment as well, meaning kind of the George Floyd moment. And it was after that that he talked about rooting out systemic racism. Right. He did have the knee on the neck, et cetera, et cetera. A couple of other interesting points. Uh, Bill Sher in The Washington Monthly had an interesting point, which is he didn't threaten uh, to end the filibuster. He didn't even talk about reconciliation and you know, one way to interpret that, he's just trying to show his bipartisanship before the public, before he resorts to reconciliation. The other interpretation which Cher gave is that he doesn't have the votes for reconciliation. So he really actually needs Republican votes and he, he needs to shore up his own base. And so this was a sign of, thank God, that he might not, you know, get everything done uh, in in the package, uh, even even if he relies solely on Democratic votes because they only have like a five vote majority in, in the House. So um, and, you know, there's always Manchin and Cinema in the Senate. So it's uh, it, it, that's an interesting angle. Why didn't why didn't he threaten uh, to end the filibuster or at least complain about the filibuster? Right. Well, he's not uh, very he's not very confrontational, but. Uh, well, that's good. I, I think he knows there's a limit to how much filibuster reform yeah. he can get. I mean, uh, the the. Um, but what's your guess as to how much, if any of this gets through? I mean, totally you're talking what? Between infrastructure and what's the labeling of the, this is about families? What? Infrastructure yeah, is about jobs. This is I, about families, even I, though I, both are about both. Yeah, I don't know. The, um, everybody seems to think, and I agree with this, that the tax provisions are not going to get through, even though I don't see why it's such a big deal to raise the rate from 37 to 39.6. And they should certainly, uh, Close the carried interest loophole, which I don't think they close, uh, but they tax capital gains at, at normal rates, which is the same thing as closing the carried interest loophole because the whole point of that loophole is it, it turns things into capital gains or it treats, treats the carried interest as capital gains. So, um, that was impressive, by the that. way. I don't I'm know sorry? if it's true, but that was, that was, imp- that was an impressive riff. I would like, I would let you do my income taxes if you want, no, and if you want to, you co- can, but that was it impressive. It was completely unimpressive because I glossed over all the, Fancy arguments for why the carried interest loophole is legitimate, but anyway, the um, which I don't buy the uh, the uh, so they're not going to pay for it. The obvious answer is it's going to be deficit spending, because uh, they're not going to agree on on the pay force. So there's that. Uh, I don't think the pro act gets through because it's like a, you know, it's got a it's 
uh, I think sort of artificially or, or, or not artificially, but shoring up union power is not something, uh, you can probably get a majority for. Um, isn't Joe Manchin and, a union man? Uh, probably, but, um, there, I think there are enough chamber of commerce people. Keep in mind, this isn't as bad as the car check bill, uh, in the sense that it, it preserves a secret ballot. It just says you, I think you have to have the, a location outside of the employer's place of employment, but it does have this mandatory arbitration provision, which at least in the car check bill meant that the government sent out somebody to every, you know, normally you have a union, you have a union vote. If the union is recognized, then they have a long negotiation over what the contract should be. And often they never reach an agreement on what the contract should be. And this would send a government bureaucrat to that workplace to set a wage. So that is pretty fucking close to socialism. You have a government bureaucrat going out and setting the wage. So close of a that I almost company. doubt that your description is accurate. But far be it from me I to do that. I doubt the description was accurate too, but it turned out to be accurate. They put out an, they were going to hire twenty thousand more people at the Department of Labor or something. It's 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 a it it seems insane. But uh, sure. maybe they've watered that down. But uh, uh, anyway, that's I I, I think that's going to stick in the core of pro business people. So what, we've got a total of four trillion proposed. Is that about it, or is it uh, between four infrastructure trillion in, addi- in addition to the one point nine that's been passed? Yeah, yeah. In addition to so, stimulus, uh, and, I, you you, know, and, and are you guessing on whether half half uh, half or more will get through? My guess would be around half. But the um, the uh, on the child tax credit, which I think is, which of course I think is the important thing. Mm. Biden has already, well, you know, he's already made all these concessions on. Healthcare, as you say, he he doesn't have a public option. He's bailed on expanding Medicare, even though it's wildly popular, and and, and Medicare works, and Obamacare is sort of iffy. So why didn't he expand Medicare? Um, he's bailed on all those. On the child tax credit, he did pare it back in that it's only f- till twenty twenty five now the extension, and it's also he makes it permanent. But the key is he makes it permanent. At a very low rate. In other words, he's assuming that the Trump tax cuts will expire, in which case the tax credit goes from, I think, $3,000 to $1,000. So it's cut by two thirds. And even I can tolerate, I think, a tax credit that low. You can't, it's hard to live on $1,000 uh, or $2,000 a year. $7,000, $8,000 a year, we're talking, but. So you can live on eight thousand dollars a year. If that, well, plus food stamps, plus Medicaid is the question. Uh, it's you need to you need to have some sort of gig on the side, but um, uh, but um, well, then I'm that's living, the incentive you want, right? I'm, li- I'm gig living economy, the, gig economy. This sounds great, I'm, Mickey. I'm, li- I'm living off the parrot room money, Bob. I'm living yeah. proof that you can live on eighteen thousand dollars a year. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, plus it's less than that. The um, so. What? No, it's not. Are you? Uh, we can talk about that later, but it's we over can talk about that in the parrot room. But but here here's uh, yeah, I have, uh, bad, I have bad news for you. Um, no, the, the uh, so how about this as a, as a as a line like, hey Donald Trump, this is what populism looks like. He's he wants to tax the rich. And, 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 and granted, not in, in one single, like, genius, uh, package or something, but in a lot of little ways, get money to low income and middle income people. And I think you gotta admit that, I mean, here's what seems to me the, uh, the genius of it, if there is such, is like, if a lot of this gets through, then in two years, there will be a lot of people in America who who can look point to something and say I wouldn't have this except for Joe yeah. Biden and it'll be that's, real money or or, or yeah, it'll be their it. schools getting repaired or it'll be you right. know right. there's a there, lot of shit there there are three problems with that one one is uh he talks jobs 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 but his his actually his uh you know make it in America plan says it should be made in America it doesn't say that the jobs should go to Americans so. Not clear that. Wait, that's wait, 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 wait. What's that distinction again? If it's he made in make, America, he said make American, uh, but he didn't say hire Americans. And if you look to the so, southern border, there are 
a million or two people sneaking over in the Big Bend area. Big 18-wheelers are pulling up, letting out single men who are going to go to work in our economy. I so work- that's, that's two million people uh, a year who are – a lot of them are going to take this sort of job the same way they took the jobs rebuilding New Orleans. Uh, so it's not clear that all of it is going to filter down to – uh, to the uh, unemployed working class I was, Native I was, Americans. I was trying so hard not to give you an on-ramp to immigration, and yet you found one. You just, they just build themselves. Well, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, we're building a bridge to uh, immigration. But that, but well, hey, wait, that's a, shouldn't that's you a serious like- thing. We're all focused on the families with children in cages at the border. Meanwhile, a million single able-bodied men are sneaking through on the other side of Texas. Well, That's okay. the big story. I would call that a separate but related problem. I mean, it, it, you know, uh, you want jobs in any event, you know. Um, uh, and, and, right. And and the third but thing back is, to my point. Well, okay, what's the third thing? The third the third point is he's giving money to people who aren't working in this with his family credit. Anyway, Ricky, go ahead. You know, your fucking obsessions, man. Look at the big picture. Granted, that is all the big of that, picture. Mickey, answer my question. That is the big picture. If you're looking for a transformational thing in the Biden budget, the child tax credit is that thing. In it's the view pro- of Mickey Kaus. No, in the view of almost no one agrees. In the view of all the leftists who are secretly pushing for it, and that's what they care about. They bury it, but that is what they care about. But none of them will they, admit it? They know Because they know it's transformational. Some will admit it. Uh, sure. I think Iglesias would admit it. What what percentage of the four trillion is that? If they actually didn't put a price on it because it's so fucking expensive. Well, they must and have they, put a price on it. They priced no, the they whole didn't. thing out, didn't they? No, they didn't. They didn't price that part out, and and because they did this last minute thing where they cut it back to just to twenty five, but extended the old the one thousand a year permanently. So it's. I don't think they have a, a okay. cost estimate for okay. that. Okay, that aside. It's, it's incredibly expensive. That and, aside, for the time being, if we could just briefly return to my actual question. Assume that didn't even happen. Is it not still the case that given all the little elements in this package, if it passed, like tons of Americans, including independent voters, including kind of Trump voters, but not hardcore Trump voters, would be able to point to things that are happening in their communities, with their schools, in terms of money coming to them, that are good things. Is if is it, that not the if case? If it all works like clockwork, I, I would assume yes. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they, we said that about the Obama stimulus, too, and that didn't win him the midterms. It was supposed to transform America just the way this was. And Michael Grunwald wrote a piece for Time about how things were never going to be the same and uh, that turned out, you know, shovel-ready projects were going to happen all over America. That turned out to be mostly bullshit. So uh, I, I actually will make a prediction, which will get me into trouble. Biden said that his plan would cut child poverty in half by the end of the year. Okay, I predict his plan will not cut child poverty. By yeah, but half it won't. It won't pass. But it won't pass in full anyway. We won't know, right? Yeah. Even if it passes in full, I bet it won't happen. So can anyway. you guess which of uh, what reservation I had about this speech yes. by virtue of my hobby horses? Yes. Go ahead. It's all, it's all to beat China, Bob. Yes. The whole thing is we're going to, you know, if we don't have if we don't have an extra week of parental leave, we're not going to beat China. It's all about beating China. There's there's I mean, there's a version of that 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 like I don't mind. I mean, he did a lot of that. He did. What did he say? Uh Let's see. Uh, Xi Jinping, he's deadly earnest about becoming the most significant consequential nation in the world. He and other autocrats think that democracies can't compete. Now, there's there's a version of that that I don't mind. Like if 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 you say, OK, you're right, we would rather the whole world not be authoritarian. But if we're going to fight some kind of war against creeping authoritarianism, I say what we do is make our country work and show the world that democracy can work. That I'm fine with. In other words, if it's kind of pitched as an alternative to going to war with China. Unfortunately, he also embraced going to war with China. No, he, he didn't quite, but he did do the tough talk on the national security front. He had this kind of vague section where he, he says, basically, look, we're looking at the Indo-Pacific, which, by the way, is a very big area. 
The word Indo is meant to signify India. He says, we're looking at the Indo-Pacific the way we look at Europe and NATO. Okay, so, I mean, on the one hand, you know, it's so vague, maybe it doesn't mean that much. But he did do the kind of tough talk there. And, uh, I, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I do... I do worry about the nationalistic framing of this. I think there's there's a kind of a version of it that's preferable to some alternative uh, ways of framing our relationship with China, but he, he kind of went overboard for my taste. Wasn't there sort of an industrial policy about gearing up sort of strategic industries? Oh, yeah. Uh, why uh, show? Yeah. The, the, the line was something like, uh, you know, why why can't. What was it? Turbine blades, wind windmill blades, be built in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing? Well, wasn't there something about DARPA too? We need a DARPA. Of, oh, we need a DARPA of public health or something. I think yeah. we already have a DARPA. Of, I mean, the National Institutes of Health. Yeah, I didn't understand gives that, out but, all this money for base for pretty basic research. Right, but he he seems anyway. He uh, part of his policy is, and I support it. Is we need to. Uh, beat China in terms of advanced science, too. Uh, I know you don't support it. Speak Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean. I mean, first of all, most truly basic research, uh, a lot of truly basic research winds up in public scientific journals. I mean, that that's a long and complicated discussion. Yeah. There are real downsides to trying some kind, to build some kind of wall between the scientific communities in China and America. I mean, it, it really... The bond among scientists internationally has, over the years, been a very constructive thing, I would say. And he he hasn't made the link, which will eventually be made by other people and eventually by him, which is we need immigration because we need more people to beat China. Uh, if China didn't exist, would we worry about population growth? I don't think so. Why do, why do we care? Matt, we Matt, have? Matt Iglesias made the connection explicitly. Yeah. and and, and But Biden... I think he stopped short of doing that in that speech, but the night is young. He'll make it eventually. Yeah, but you know, that's not the actual motivation. The actual motivation comes from the business community. They want cheap labor. And the Democratic Party that wants voters, yes. Well, yeah, although they're, yeah. No, yeah. They, if you look at, if you look yeah. at all, the, all the political analysis has been, you know, why, why is Biden's yeah. moment of FDR been enabled? Because we're a more diverse country than we were before. And one of the big reasons we're a more diverse country is because of the Latino migration. So, right. I just, I just hesitate because I think Democrats are becoming more aware that you can't assume that all, uh, minority, that, that all minority communities are on board for all of the stuff that's being justified in terms of getting their votes. Right. Uh, we're, but but uh, even including immigration, even I mean, no, that's true. There was a poll out that showed that, uh, you know, native born Latinos aren't at all on board with loose borders. Uh, they're actually for tight borders, but they're not letting in more native born Latinos. They're letting in uh, non-native born Latinos who are going to be Democrats for a while. So. Uh, they have to dilute the native-born Latinos. Anyway, I'm sorry to hear you say the Latinos. income tax stuff can't happen because, I, I mean, if there's anything in that whole package well, that should happen, well, it's they, for God's sake. They can raise the they can raise the rate, the top rate, but the capital gains stuff is very is is runs into a buzzsaw of interest groups. Uh, it, it shouldn't. It should pass, but. Uh, I'm for it. So you think um, they may raise the rate for people over $400,000? That's not asking much. That's a lot of money. I can live off of that. That's more than paradroom money. And, you know, you only, it's like you're not taxing the first 400000 at this rate, right? I mean, they still get the 400000 yeah, I think so. You know, yes. it's just Jesus. But uh, I'd much rather do that than change the corporate tax rate, which, uh, you know, as you know, First, we don't know who pays it. And second, we're in an international competition. Now, maybe they can reach some sort of deal where everybody agrees to tax their corporations. Well, they but are, until they, they are until, working on that. They are yeah, working on but that. But until, until they do that, why would we want to disfavor American corporations versus foreign corporations? It's so, actually not uh, It's actually not a deal on every all the countries taxing, having the same corporate tax. It's a deal on a bunch of countries like the G like I don't know a bunch of countries agreeing that they will have a minimum total tax corporations have to pay adding up what they pay abroad and domestically I think or something like that it's something complicated in that way but 
Uh, it's, it's not an agreement that we'll all have the same tax rate. That, you know, you could argue that that has its virtues. But so um, what else is going on? You know, well, a qu- I, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. I have a, 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 a scenario I want to fly by you. Mm-hmm. It was prompted by um, uh, some restaurant in California, I think, is offering dishwashers $21 an hour, which is a lot of money for a dishwasher. It's a good thing. They're competing for workers in part because workers don't want to come to work because they have to take care of their kids or because of, uh, or because they're Biden getting has unemploy- a solution for that. Mickey. Or they're getting unemployment or right. Or they're getting unemployment or they're, uh, or they're scared of COVID. But this restaurant, restaurant guy said that nobody's scared of COVID. It's the first two factors. It's the kids and the unemployment compensation and. My point is that prices tend to be sticky downwards. So once you start paying dishwashers $21 an hour, it's going to be hard to bust them down to $10 an hour. So um, this is a good thing. It establishes a high wage for uh, relatively unskilled labor uh, that's going to stick. And I wonder if that'll be a big factor in the income distribution going forward. And the second thing is, once you start doubling the wage of unskilled workers, inflation tends to ensue. You're not going to be able to charge the same for what your product is if you're paying people $21 an hour instead of $10 an hour. And that starts the wage price spiral, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, we've gotten by without much inflation for a very long time now. You wonder how long it can go. I mean, especially with all the deficit spending, which is now just taken for granted. In fact, I was I was going to I was going to ask if you if you add up the infrastructure uh, bill and, and the other thing that the total four trillion, how much of that even theoretically would be paid for? Do you know by the by the taxes? I don't. Uh, um, my the, I think the one point nine was not paid for at all. But I think the second and half supposedly the second half is, is supposed to be paid for. But uh, okay. But yeah, we'll believe it when it anyway. Happens. I mean, you know, who knows what kind of universe we're in now? I mean. You know, it's funny. I mean, one thing that's going on is there aren't all that many people alive who remember high inflation. I mean, as adults, I mean, because I was in my whatever. I was a young, young man in the right. in the 80s when, you know, when, when we went through a lot of pain to kill inflation. They don't, they don't remember high inflation. They don't remember crime, which we're getting back. And they don't remember welfare, which we're getting back. So part of the problem is that these young whippersnappers have no memory. Yeah. I mean, the, the the early Reagan, you know, the reason Reagan got elected was because he inflicted huge pain on, well, he and the head of the Fed, who had actually been appointed by Carter, inflicted huge pain on America via very strict monetary poli- uh, policy to finally start squeezing inflation out of the system. And he kind of got it done by the second election. But right. the early 80s were a, were a tough time. Um, right. So... Um, uh, we have that the government made a huge mistake uh, pausing the J&J vaccine. At first, we thought it was brilliant because uh, the pause showed that the government was watching and cared about your safety. But but it turned out it was a huge mistake because uh, use of all vaccines has plummeted since they made that decision. And you see them everywhere. Wait, sorry. As you may have sensed, I was about to use that as an excuse to bring Tucker's mask rant into the conversation. Do you want uh, to hear feel, Tucker's mask rant? Feel free. Uh, d- sure. This is good. And remember, folks, before I play this, Mickey Kaus is 100% on board the Tucker Carlson for President bandwagon. Have I misrepresented your view in any way, Mickey? Yes, I'm 95% Thank you. Okay. on board. Okay, so here we go. Actual mental health condition. And you see them everywhere when you walk down the street in any major city. If you dare to go on foot from Union Station to the Capitol, for example, in Washington without wearing a mask, angry Biden voters will snort at you in judgment. How could you, they're saying from behind the gauze. How could you? That's the question we should be asking of them in return. The rest of us should be snorting at them first. They're the aggressors. It's our job to brush them back and restore the society we were born in. So the next time you see someone in a mask on the sidewalk or on the bike path, do not hesitate. Ask politely but firmly, would you please take off your mask? Science shows there is no reason for you to be wearing it. Your mask is making me uncomfortable. 
We should do that and we should keep doing it until wearing a mask outside is roughly as socially accepted as lighting a marble in an elevator. It's repulsive. Don't do it around other people. That's the message we should send because it's true. As for forcing children to wear masks outside, that should be illegal. Your response when you see children wearing masks as they play should be no different from your response to seeing someone beat a kid in Walmart. Call the police immediately. Contact Child Protective Services. Keep calling until someone arrives. What you're looking at is abuse. It's child abuse, and you are morally obligated to attempt to prevent it. If it's your own children being abused, then act accordingly. Let's say your kid's school... So should that man be president, Mickey? Well, that, that he was he was having more fun and trolling more than I realized. I mean, this thing about how that makes me feel uncomfortable is is parodying, of course, campus wokeness. Uh, it, it was it was more it was more of a joke than I'd realized. He's not his audience is not taking that as a joke. I assure you. I was watching his face as I was playing that that, that was video. His audience is not taking that as a joke. It is flat out irresponsible. For somebody with without amount of influence to tell instruct people and and let's look granted it's only the craziest five percent of his audience that that will that will act on it max but the average craziness level of his audience is pretty high so uh, anyway the the you know if, if they act on it they will actually be going out and saying to people will you please take your mask off as if that is as legitimate a request. As, as say someone asking someone in a supermarket where they're supposed to have a mask on to put it on because that actually can be a threat to you, right? You, you understand the asymmetry here. Correct. Someone wearing a mask cannot threaten your health. Correct. Um, so, so this I, is like, I mean, this is a, I, I've listened to a fair amount of Tucker. He's getting loonier. He's getting, in fact, when I said, did you hear the loony thing Tucker said this week? He said, yeah, wow. And you weren't even thinking about that. What were you thinking about? I thought the thing with J.D. Vance was a little loonier than that. Well, then we are in. He laughs, he cackles inappropriately, which is always a sign of. What the oh, hell he is going also on? did that with the cop, as I was describing last week. It was a, I described it as a giggle. That's wrong. It was a cackle, and it was. I would advise my viewers if you see someone cackling like that, dial nine one one. Ask them to please the, not cackle like that in your presence. The bizarre thing is, uh, he he overreacts like this as if he as if he was on some kind of uh, Sudafed or something. And uh, <laughs> did you take your Sudafed, Mickey? I took it. Yeah, that Excellent. that explains that explains, that explains my, getting uh, working immigration in, in spite right. of my best. That, that explains me getting worked up, but despite my usual Biden like demeanor. But um, uh, he he's maintains rationality throughout all his rants, which is bizarre. That's rational. That was rational. What he just well, said. Well, he, he he said he's reading from a script. He said what he wanted to say. That's uh, yeah, but he, he was reading from a script that had a rational shit in it, and he read that. That's not <laughs> rational. That's well, irrational. In terms of behavior, while seemingly uh, on uppers, it's uh, it's uh, it, it it means he's he, he wasn't fucking up. So as people anyway. who are on uppers go, he's not. Well, that he may bad. not be on uppers at all. He may naturally, maybe like Andrew Breitbart, he was naturally on uppers. Um, okay, but, uh, well, the uh, so um, uh, I, I, anyway, it's um, uh, I, I no, of course I don't defend that, but I think it was it was a third ingest and maybe inappropriately directed. No, I want to. We'll take it can seriously. I, can I say something about Derek Chauvin? The, uh, a little update from last week. He's being prosecuted for civil rights violations, bizarrely. Wait, is he? The, the Justice Department is going to prosecute him anyway. Oh. They were ready to prosecute him if he got acquitted, and they're going to go ahead anyway. It's 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 ridiculous. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. ridiculous. Biden showboating. It's well, you're just giving the right talking points. Um, it, it, well, the far right in this case, because he Chauvin doesn't have the support of all that many people on the right. Uh, Sometimes I think you say "don't do this" because it gives the right talking points, when you really mean "don't do this" because I think it's wrong. Well, sometimes those two coincide. Right, but you should make clear when you don't well, actually, use this, don't use the former as an excuse to weasel out of. Well, no, that really is my. Ra- I honestly haven't thought through the merits of this. I mean, these are you know the question of when the federal government should intervene in civil rights cases. I, I haven't thought that through. But speaking of legalistic stuff related to Chauvin, uh, the update is so I had said last week 
like it seemed to me that the second degree murder of the three counts, second degree, third degree, and manslaughter, second degree was most dubious because they, it, it it was this deal about it's a murder, not necessarily intentional, but committed in the act of, uh, uh, or, or done while committing a crime. It's called felony murder. And what they were saying was, well, the crime was assault. He was assaulting George Floyd. And he, and he murdered him in the course of doing that. And I said, that sounds like bullshit. I don't think that's what they meant with this law. They meant like you're robbing a convenience store and you happen to shoot the guy. Right. But that's what, that's what felony murder usually is. It yeah. is. Right. But it turns out, as you know, I think you were in on this email that, that I was sent, but it turns out that, um, in, in the various jurisdictions where they do have felony murder, most of them do insist that the felony you're committing and the murder be wholly separate things, right? It can't, you, they can't be kind of collated the way they were in this case. But apparently, right. Minnesota is a jurisdiction, whether, and I don't know whether this is through statute or through jurisprudence, but one way or another, Minnesota is a jurisdiction in which it's legit to have the, the felony and the murder kind of organically connected, and yet you, you do convict them of felony murder. It's happened with other people. So, uh, I, I think they may be the only jurisdiction to do that. Yeah, this. I believe so, but um, that explains so. why Andy McCarthy in his podcast, which I have to say isn't bad. I mean, he, 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 you know, has in the past struck me as sometimes as such an Islamophobic nut, but his, his, uh, his, his podcast, uh, about like, you know, the, the election stuff and about Chauvin has been kind of useful. He said, uh, he thinks the most dubious is actually the third degree murder, which is odd because that's the one. I mean, that also doesn't require intentionality, but it but it has the phrase depraved indifference. Now, there's some people who would say you can point to that picture of Chauvin with his hand in his pocket and his knee on the neck and say that is that is a picture of depraved you know, indifference. It, right? It turns out. Uh, I, I think his hand wasn't in his pocket. He was just wearing gloves, so it looked like it was in his pocket. Really. Huh. That's what that's what uh, huh. Coulter says. I don't know if it's true or not, but she watched the videotape. So. Okay. Anyway, that's that's McCarthy's view is that actually he didn't single out the second degree as especially dubious. He focused on the third. So anyway, huh. not the the verdict uh, not uh, not not dubious think, uh, along the one dimension where I thought it was dubious. Perhaps not that's so dubious. why. Perhaps that's why they're bringing the civil rights charges. Because some of the state criminal charges might be knocked out on appeal. Could be. Uh, mm. Although uh, McCarthy says he doesn't think they're likely to win. He said there are nominally good grounds uh, for appeal. Uh, he thought the judge should have sequestered the jury while, during deliberation and, and, and uh, or, or sequestered the jury at some point, various other things. But he says he doesn't think the win on appeal. Can I quickly point to one virtue there is to to these highly publicized cases where the cop is punished so there was this you probably caught wind of this there was another case uh involving a guy named gonzalez he's gonzalez he's the guy who died uh and they had him down on the ground and he died and some people were saying you know oh god not chauvin again and i i have no idea what exactly happened but if you listen to the webcam uh the audio part of the webcam uh, there's this one part. Okay, there is the part where one officer says, "Should they roll him on his side?" And another replies, "I don't want to lose what I got." I th- which I think means they've had trouble subduing him, and he's honest. I'm fine, but but then the the uh uh the, that same officer I think says, "We have no weight on his chest, nothing," and he points to his back like there's nobody on his back. And then as the first officer tries to adjust his position, the second says. No, 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 no weight, no weight, no weight. So, I mean, these guys are being extra, at least in one sense, careful in response to, uh, you know, what happened to Chauvin. And, you know, my view of punishment is it's all about the, the only justification for punishing people is that it has good practical consequences. Well, um, but that's, that's like uh, my plan to encourage vigilant driving is have the government uh, randomly pick a car full of people uh, on the highways and machine gun them to death. And that would make everybody else really vigilant. 
Yeah, but on balance, you'd be watching for these agents. So, so you're saying it has, that it has, to, it, has to, it has to depend. It it also casts retrospective doubt on the Chauvin verdict because obviously this knee hold is used a lot, and maybe he wasn't. Well, no, they weren't any using. The they weren't chest. using. They weren't using the knee hold. No, oh, I thought there was, it was no a knee, knee hold. With, there was no the knee, knee on was, his back. That's what the guy was saying. I thought there was a knee. Okay, no sorry. knee, and he was saying, "Don't anybody put a knee on this guy's back." Are you sure there was no knee? Uh, from the video I saw, there was no knee, and and he okay. says, and the, and the guy makes that point. He says, "We have no weight on his chest, nothing." And he's pointing to his back. I th- I think the pro Chauvin people would say he had he had his knee on his back and no weight on it. Well, in Chauvin's case, fine, but that's not the point I'm making. Okay. The the but and also had- as for your as for your as for your shooting uh, analogy, you know, punishment is justified when the aggregate consequences are good obviously if you live in a you know if the government starts randomly executing people the aggregate consequences would be very bad right uh like you know uh people would try to overthrow the government you'd have all kinds of problems but so only because they didn't understand that the aggregate consequences were positive of killing these people uh well they really understood it that more people survived traffic more people drove safely because you randomly killed a person. No, because they'd still realize they could be one of them. I mean, you have to convince people that these outcomes are just. That's, very low, that's very low risk of being one of them. What's that? Very low risk of being one of them. Probably less than dying from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. No, but there's also the sense of justice. People have an innate sense of justice. And you have to convince them... That's part of the consequences being well, good. Once it, you build a innate, innate sense of justice in a utilitarianism, having to smuggle a whole bunch of other things into utilitarianism, uh, uh, if, if not if, sure, if, uh, if, if, it if, complicates if, things. But um, you, you know, and it's not like the sense of justice. Well, we can, we can. Well, let me write this down for the parrot room. Sense of justice, parrot room. <laughs> We've reached the limits of my ability to talk about these things. That's As you okay. know, I, I got pl- I, thought, I got plenty left. On I this. thought you should have I thought you should have cut the utilitarian chapter from your book. Uh, from the moral animal? Yes. Nah. Mike Mike Kinsley I asked Mike about that. He read it in draft and he said no, don't cut it. And with all due respect, if I had to nominate one person as greatest editor ever and it was going to be either you or Mike, I wouldn't spend a lot of time deliberating. Story of my life. Um, so, uh, let's see. What else? Uh, well, how much time, how long we've been doing this? Oh, we've been doing it for a long time. But, uh, okay. Well, only 48 minutes. Uh, Israel, you saw the Human Rights Watch report on Israel. I did not. You did not? Human Rights Watch. I saw, I saw that there was a transcript that suggested that John Kerry really did tell the Iranian guy. About covert uh, Israeli military operations, well, despite wait. his denials. That's a separate thing. We can talk about that Correct. if you want. Either here both or on in the this... subject of Israel. Well, no, that's Iran. You're... Well, okay, Israel yes, comes is. into it, but 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 that's a. Uh... You're lucky I didn't bring it back to immigration, Bob. I should count my blessings. Count your blessings, yes. Um, no, anyway, Human Rights Watch, which is like you know the big one of, I mean, probably the biggest human rights NGO, the most... Anyway, they came out with a report saying that Israel does practice apartheid, which is a big deal. Now, the the, uh, the Israeli human rights group, is it Bet Salam, uh, had already done that not that long ago, had said it is apartheid. But this is, I mean, a big enough deal to get Israel very pissed off. Um, it it uh, They're calling for an international investigation. I mean, HRW, Human Rights Watch, is. But... You know, it's interesting because, I mean, not so long ago, I mean, what was it, maybe 15 years ago, Jimmy Carter came out with a book called Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid. And he wasn't saying Israel was practicing apartheid. He was just saying if they don't solve the Palestinian issue, uh, you know, and and get a two-state solution, it will become apartheid. And yet his use of the word totally freaked everybody out, including... um, the Anti-Defamation League, and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, times have changed, obviously. Uh, so the speech code has changed. I mean, I mean, you know, 
Israel is still very upset about this, but it is uh, it is a thing. Now, I su- now, yeah, I survived at the New Republic by not weighing in on controversies like that. I'm going to stick with that policy. But go ahead. You're not going to tell us whether Israel commits apartheid. I just well, don't know enough. I I, I I I naturally distrust any international organization, but I also I will also, take this. I have definitely. I, I, I'm also. I'm also completely unclear on what apartheid actually was like in South Africa, so it's. Uh, you know, I suspect it was more. Well, maybe we'll pair in that one. I mean, I've definitely seen things in, in Israel. I've, I've been. In, I, I've been in the West Bank and seen things where, in fact, I, in Hebron, I was with a, a former. Uh, you know, Israeli soldier who was part of the group Breaking the Silence. So this is left-wing soldiers who, against the occupation, left-wing former soldiers. And I said, this looks kind of like apartheid. Like, uh, And he actually, he was very thoughtful. He said, well, you know, he just gave a very academic answer. He said, well, the counter-argument would be apartheid had this, this, and this, and this is this. What What was it that looked like apartheid? Well, in Hebron, uh, you know, Michelle Goldberg wrote about this in the Times not long ago, and she was actually with me on this trip. And uh, this was like 10, 12 years ago. Um, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but in Hebron, you got the tomb of Abraham and, and maybe other patriarchs. And then uh, and, and that uh, and then some distance from that, you've got the the Palestinian town of Hebron. OK, right. so you've got like a Jewish settlement in the area, and then you've got the road up to uh, Hebron, the, the Palestinian part of Hebron. And, of course, Palestinians want to get to the tomb of Abraham. It's sacred for them, too, and Jews want to get to it. Uh, this, this, by the way, is is the place where Baruch Goldstein, the settler, uh, machine-gunned all these Palestinians, right. and his tomb is there. And at least when I was there 10 years ago, the local settlers would put flowers on his tomb you know, there were always fresh flowers on his tomb to to commemorate his greatness. But there's a road um, from the tomb up to Hebron, and Palestinians aren't allowed to walk on it. And if you say, well, how did the Palestinians get back to where they live from the tomb? They point up the hill, and there's what looks like this kind of rocky path or something or some sidewalk. So, you know, uh, and this is what I meant. I said to the guy, you know, that's kind of weird. And... uh but but the but the HRW thing the the strange if thing I, about the, if yeah. I remember if I remember right Hebron is especially charged uh, from the time of the Bible. Well, it, with, it's got the tomb this, of Abraham. With, with yeah. this, no, but there's also wasn't there also? Didn't somebody order a massacre of at, at Hebron? I mean, Hebron is just the worst. Well, I think there was an earlier. Um, what can I, I think say? Jews in the area were subjected to. Something many, many decades, maybe early See, part of the 20th century or so. I mean, anyway, they have their side of the story the about something my, that happened to them at Hebron. I know. That's the extent the of my of, biblical knowledge, and it comes entirely from reading uh, well, the back of the book column at the New Republic. So I'm anyway. pretty sure that that there was something where Jews can plausibly claim to have been the victims that happened there some distance in the past. But I don't know the details. But what's strange about the Human Rights Watch report um, – is uh, they're also saying that 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 this applies to Palestinians in Israel, the citizens of Israel, and I haven't I haven't read the report enough to know exactly how they justify that. I mean, there are huh. there there are there certainly are things there that I think are more clearly systemic than the things that we call systemic racism here. They're, they're actually institutionalized uh, things that Palestinians don't have access to or something. Right. But I, but I was a little surprised that they went so far as to, um, call that apartheid. Anyway, this is, this is a non, uh, a not trivial development. Um, I agree. Um, uh, now as, do you want to talk about the part you want to talk about? Or do you want to save that for the parrot room? The, the Iran, the Kerry and John Kerry and no, we can save that. I, I don't, okay. I don't particularly care that much about that. Um, I think we should talk about Walter Russell Mead's article. Oh, I didn't read that. You sent it, it to me. Oh, it's 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 a it's a directly on point. It says that the Biden's uh, foreign policy is that is doctrine. The Biden doctrine is that you shouldn't let competition with China get in the way of global cooperation to solve problems. 
Uh, well, he says that? He says that that is the Biden doctrine. Oh. Then, then he criticizes it on the grounds that he thinks that global, that competition with China can determine the nature of whatever global order happens. So will it be a global autocrats order or a global, you know, democratic order that re- recognizes human rights? So we, yes, we should have a buildup and yes, we should exert power and, and confront China, et cetera, et cetera. So he smuggles that all in the back door. Uh, but the, his statement of the Biden doctrine is very, is a Bob Wright doctrine. Yeah, it's not clear that that is the Biden doctrine. I mean, if, if it is, they're certainly not executing it the way I, I would. You know, but it's early days. It's, it, you know, I mean, Biden did include in his, uh, in his speech that he had told Xi Jinping we're going to keep speaking out on human rights and so on. So there was, uh, you know, so it's not like Henry Kissinger or somebody. Um, I do like I do like that about Biden that he's he's established early on. Fuck you! We're going to call a genocide a genocide, and, and you're meaning, just going to have meaning to deal- the Turkish genocide. Yeah, you're just going to yeah. have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean the the Armenian genocide at the hands and of it, there may be no consequences to it, but it's still it's it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that's an interesting call. I mean, it's partly a sign of how you know the current relationship with Turkey and how it almost seems odd now that Turkey's even in NATO, um, given, given our relationship with Correct. it on some fronts. Uh, but, uh, are we going to go to war to defend Turkey? No. I would depend on the circumstances, but you know, I mean, Turkey is, it's hard to imagine the circumstances. If they're invaded by Russia, are we going to defend them? No. Uh, well, if they're invaded by Russia, probably, yeah, but that's not going to happen. I'm trying to by, think. By what, the way, what Russia, you were. By the we way, you were freaking Turkey? out about the Russian troops massed at the uh, Ukraine's border. They're gone now, Mickey. You can relax. I said last week that they were pulling back, Bob. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, anyway, now they're now they're really gone. Um, you can't. Not only do I keep up with the news, but I keep up with what we said in the last last uh, blogging hits. Well, you're younger than I am, aren't I'm you? So, I'm so far ahead of you. Um, so, I anyway, you know, I thought Biden, I got to say, I thought we kind of touched on this, but I thought he did kind of a particularly good job of delivering that speech. I mean, he just, you know, it wasn't that different from his past teleprompter appearances. And, and of course, that's all it was. It wasn't a, 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 a stern cognitive test, but it was late. Well, it had a lot of... <laughs> It had a lot you know, of ad. It had a lot of ad libs, which is some form of cognitive test. I guess they weren't uh, always great. Well, well, which ones do you but remember? He seemed, to, he seemed to understand what he was saying and why yeah, he was saying it exactly. Uh, uh, he, um, and he seemed relaxed oh, enough. That, relaxed enough to do that. Uh, uh, oh, I, the, the the line about how which he imported from his campaign is you know I have my differences with. With my friends on the left, I think you should be able to be a billionaire, just pay your fair share. That was apparently an ad lib. Uh huh. Huh. I mean, he was just, he just imported chunks of his campaign rhetoric, but he, yeah. he knew which chunks to apply to which parts of the speech. Right. So he, 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 you know, whatever magic drug he takes, uh, we want it or just a good night's sleep, uh, it worked. And, uh, I, I tend to, I mean, the, the parts where he starts whispering, which he does a lot, can be effective. I don't think they were effective in that context because I couldn't hear what the hell he was saying. I was... But uh, uh, it was... it was The delivery was fine, and he's all there. I'm the, yeah, and and he just, you know... Okay, granted, 40% of America goes into it just hating him because he's a Democrat or something, but I really think if you just happen upon him and have no particular agenda, he's just kind of a likable guy. He comes across... As, you know, ordinary, unpretentious. He doesn't do this thing that Clinton used to do. And Obama sometimes did a kind of going into oratorical mode, you know, like this is for history. He, you know, he's, he's plain spoken. Right. And he, he always used to do that. So did he, you know, age has done him what done him a favor. Yeah. He was a, he, he got into trouble for plagiarizing soaring rhetoric from Bobby Kennedy. Well, but that doesn't mean he delivered it well. It means yeah. he wanted soaring rhetoric. He told the staff, yeah. "Get That's me some soaring rhetoric." Even the Meechumism at the end of the of, of the speech was very subdued, and involved mainly stealing the title of Charlie Peters's book. We do our part, uh, in, mm-hmm. in in sort of completely inappropriately sticking it in at the end, which was fine. 
but uh, there there wasn't much of a peroration. So, what are we going to talk about? He does have a tendency to lie with complete uh, lack of inhibition. You know, I hate it when we have a president who does that, Mickey, and it's so sad that we have one of those now. Well, you were saying how likable he is, and he's likable until he lies. He lies about 1% as much as Trump. 10%, if you count the significance of whatever the lies The are. highest I'm going is two. It's my last <laughs> offer. So, uh, Some of the lies, the lies are about immigration, so they're about important issues. So, you know, we, we have an action-packed uh, parrot room prepared. Actually, we don't have it prepared. We don't have this prepared. You know, I don't think we get enough credit, Mickey, for the fact that when we do our podcast, we never communicate in advance about what we're going to talk about. That's good. I hate it when they do that. I hate it when they it's do a that. Killer of spontaneity. It does sometimes lead to entertaining podcasts. The, pre, the, pre, the pre-interview. I hate the pre-interview. Uh, You're watching it, the pre-interview, folks. Hope you liked which, it. Uh, what people don't understand, if you're ever asked to be on a radio show and they have a pre- and they... Not, not even the pre-interview. If they call you up and, and say, we, Bob, we're interested in, you know, having you on the show, that is your audition. It's That is your signal. You are the seal. Time to perform. So you have to go into your rap and show them what your rap would be like. Don't just say, sure, I'd like to be on the show because then you but won't get Mickey, on the show. they don't even use the telephone to do these things anymore, do they? It's all email. You should, uh, you should send them an audio file. You should email them back an they, audio file. If they don't do it by phone, animated. that's interesting, because I, I would think the audio was the key to this audition process. Huh. Maybe I don't know. Of course, but the other thing, see, it's is now... A long time, it's been a long time since I've... But remember, Mickey, now show. they can check out everybody pretty much by going to YouTube. Do you know anybody who hasn't been, who isn't on YouTube? No. The whole economy is built on people going on each other's podcasts. That's what I'm saying. That seems like a solid basis for... The America of the 21st century. So in the Parrot Room, which, by the way, you can get to via patreon.com slash Parrot Room, here are the things I want to talk about, Mickey. I want to continue my psychoanalysis of you. I, I really, I definitely didn't hit pay dirt last week, but I ain't giving up. Uh, I want to talk, you know, the Slate podcast Slow Burn about the, the run-up to the Iraq War is coming is out now. I listened to part one. You know, we may be, we were interviewed, speaking of being interviewed, we may appear... In a subsequent episode, we both kind of hope we won't because I know I said one thing I regret, but uh, uh, we can't. So we kind of hope we won't uh, show up, but kind of do anyway. I listened to the first episode. I want to talk about that. It's 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 actually very good. The um, I, I want to talk about oh, good. Rudy. I want to talk about Rudin Scott Rudin, Rudy and really? Rudin. Um, Bob maybe, on Hollywood. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all over pop day. culture. Oh, 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 we could talk about the Oscars. I just thought of that. Did you watch the Oscars? No. I could say a word or Life's two about them, but um, wouldn't be very entertaining. The, the, um, but I will. Oh, I'll go talk. ahead. Uh, I want to say a little more about this World War One book, uh, that I listened to called, uh, Sleepwalkers. I think I misidentified it as Dreamwalkers in last week's parrot room. Um, and then what did we say we would continue? Oh, uh, I, I guess I've committed to saying something about the sense of justice uh, and utilitarianism. Maybe we won't I, spend time on that. I, Much I time have, on that. Um, yeah, I have a, sl- a mild riff on on my encounter with local policemen. Recent or in your wild youth? Recent. There was no bloodshed or arrest made. Yeah, I had an but, encounter about a, about a year ago. It was very pleasant. She didn't give me a ticket. No. Anyway. Um, uh, the um, uh, people who stay for that are going to be disappointed, but I will talk about it. Okay, Mickey cops. Um, we said we, we. I guess we'll we'll touch on that John Kerry Iran thing. I, you want to talk about? I have a theory. I have a theory on why L.A. Why the west side of L.A. looks like uh, a neutron bomb is hit. It's deserted. A theory about why that is? Yes. Well, it's because they can't get anybody to wash dishes for twenty one dollars. <laughs> I gave it away. Oh shit! No, you didn't. There give it goes away. the value added in the parrot room. You didn't give it away. You didn't give it away. <clears throat> um, so that's at patreoncom slash parrot room, uh, where wild things happen. I, 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 uh, I also smash the like button on YouTube. Um, 
That's more important than ever for reasons uh, I don't recall at the moment. It's more important you're than at, ever. You're at the parrot room where, where wild things happen. That's our new slogan. Did I say that? Yeah, I think you said that, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry. It works. it works. The parrot room where I will apologize for having said where wild no, things the, happen. The, the, packs, the parrot room where wild things happen is, is – that'll bring them in. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It's found art. Um, I'm sorry. I feel terrible. Oh, God. Oh, well. Also, if you want to rate and review The Right Show, which this is, that would be wonderful. And I and I say that in a heartfelt and serious way because I almost never make these pleas. And as a result, there are podcasts that arguably, I'm just saying arguably, are lesser podcasts that have more ratings and favorable reviews than this one. Because, you know, because they have no shame. These people have no shame. They also, they have, better, they also have better branding. And they have better branding. No shame and better branding. <laughs> and that's the kind of shit this sick world rewards. We'll continue this discussion, folks, in the parrot room. Do you have the parrot with you, Mickey? I mean, uh, not have, that we I haven't have, given them an update, but I, I always see have this, my parrot with me. But uh, apparently, we're taking over. <laughs> oh, folks, that's just the beginning. Okay, so we will see you, Mickey. Okay, see ya.